0: The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel?
1: Hello and welcome to Our Slice on Film. I'm Michael Clinton. And I'm Brian Deal. This is a podcast where we'll be discussing movies, new and old, some industry news as it happens. And once in a while, we will be arguing about which city has the better pizza, New York or you know, Chicago, I guess Come on now on today's very first episode of our slice on film Brian and I will be talking about uh, Christopher Nolan's 2017 film Dunkirk, a really, really great movie that we enjoyed seeing in theaters and we wanted to revisit a couple years later to kick off our podcast. But before we do that, uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about who you are and why we're doing this podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks, Michael. So uh, you mentioned earlier we'll be discussing pizza between New York and Chicago. So uh, myself, I'm from the Chicagoland area, the southwest suburbs. Um, Went to Bradley University. Shout out, go Braves! Graduated in 2015, and then moved down to Memphis, where I'm where we're uh, we're both currently at, both currently uh, quarantining, and uh, working at the working at the University of Memphis. Been there for five years now, and. yeah just absolutely love movies grew up watching movies particularly just the movie going experience going to the theater grabbing some popcorn it's one of my favorite things to do best ways to relax and just really get lost in the art and magic of film so um, be able to do this and just have fun talk about it a little more with you which we always do outside of podcasts Is just a typical yeah. opportunity
1: Awesome. Great. Well, I'm excited to start this with you, Brian. How about yourself, Michael? Tell me about yourself.
0: Tell tell the the viewers, the audience. Tell the 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 audience, the listeners. That's what it is.
1: Well, uh, yeah. So Brian will be repping Chicago here. um, And I, of course, are repping New York, great state of New York, where I grew up, um, out on Long Island, away from Manhattan. But, you know, I've never really enjoyed Chicago deep dish. So that's the way it is.
0: You, I'm, I'm quickly finding out that you either love it or you hate it uh, coming from Memphis. People who visit Chicago, they always tell me how much deep dish tastes like lasagna and someone who was raised on both lasagna and deep dish, just, that could not be more incorrect, but like it's a different conversation for a little bit later time.
1: Yeah. We'll cover that another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm also a big movie fan. You know, I think some of my best memories are going to blockbuster with my family and friends and just picking out some, some movies. I, of course, always kind of found myself lost in the horror genre section, um, which I know Brian has never even stepped foot in. Actively stay away from the horror Actively avoiding all of that. Um, But yeah, me and Brian met in grad school down here in Memphis. So every time we talk and we kind of hang out, we just talk about movies to begin with. So why not record it and see if we can make someone else's day a little bit better?
0: Yeah. So... (laughs) With that being said, we we were on Dunkirk. Michael kind of came up with this idea to do the podcast and he tasked both of ourselves to create a short list of movies uh, to try to figure out what we want to do for our first podcast. He, of course, did his first and he sent me a picture of his list, which was awesome. It had a wide range and he really appealed to me, which I really appreciate. It had some superhero movies, action flicks, and just some good drama movies in there as well. And... And yeah, we, 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 we kind of just sit on Dunkirk. Huh? I mean, do you have any reasoning why that was on the list and how we came about that one as our final choice?
1: You know, I, I just kind of scrolled through some of the movies I knew I'd been watching at home on my own that I enjoyed. Um, but I know for a fact you and I are like huge Christopher Nolan fans. We really respect the guy. We love his movies. We are so pumped for Tenant to come out later this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully that still comes out. Slated for July,
0: early July. Hasn't been touched yet, release dates, but we'll see.
1: And we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We don't think it'll be set to stream, right?
0: No, no, I'm assuming, no, I, I would think Christopher Nolan would actively try to uh, make sure that's a theatrical release. Yeah,
1: he's, uh, I mean, I was reading up about Dunkirk and he used a lot of IMAX cameras just for that movie. So mostly imax he's gonna want to do that for tenant too right oh oh yeah i would think a movie like
0: tenant it already looks like a spectacle sci-fi action thriller it's it's gonna be on a big screen it's probably shot on imax yeah no way do i I don't even want to see it first on my tv like if it comes out on streaming first i'm not gonna watch it yeah no i'm not paying 20
1: bucks to watch it on like this little tv i got i need it no 60 feet high exactly and then just surround sound everywhere So yeah, and with with
0: his score, the score that always comes with a Nolan movie, we'll, we'll uh, talk about it a little bit later. Yeah, well, like you you want that experience. That was my dog. So <laughs> again, again, we're quarantining. So if you <laughs> hear some dogs, I apologize. Um, but yeah, so uh, we came out Dunkirk. He has a movie coming out later, and this is the last movie he did. And it's a different kind of Nolan movie, which yeah. I think is also fascinating. Um, so. I guess with that, we'll just kind of go with our general thoughts. So Michael, do you want to
1: get the ball rolling? What are some just
0: off the cuff general thoughts you just saw it the other day? What are your initial reactions after seeing it again?
1: You know, I, I'm i a huge fan of this nonlinear storytelling some of my favorite movies either go backwards in time or forwards in time or they're all interlute with each other and you got to try to figure it out. Those are some of my favorite movies. Um, so when Christopher Nolan really did Dunkirk, I'm not a big war movie person. And actually, when I was watching this, this is rated PG-13. I kind of was like, well, maybe all war movies should be rated R. Now, obviously, this is no Apocalypse Now, but it's like it was it's pretty that's the story of dunkirk is such a tense scary thing um i don't know i feel like maybe it should have been r but just the way when when i first saw this movie and when it clicked when his which we'll talk about later of course his little kind of how he he played that together but when he had that little click that that crossover between our timelines that we're watching it was just i think about it all the time and then it went ahead and only won for sound at the oscars which was a little frustrating to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I com- I completely agree. Um I remember sitting in the theater watching this movie and waiting for like how no one's going to make this a no one movie, right? Like you have Memento and the the craziness of that movie, Inception and you know, the different layers of the dreams, Interstellar and which don't get me started on Interstellar, but that whole bizarre like <laughs> time space travel whatever and and then this comes out and you're like all right this is a historical drama like how is he what's he going to do and we're just watching it now i'm just like oh that's right that's that's, that's right that's how he does it and it was it was genius it w- it worked so well because there are so many different facets of you know of war you know whether it be by sea by land or by air and the way he was able to tell each of those stories in the timelines that they took place and keep it constrained in what is a really short movie, especially by like his regard. Like I think it comes in under two hours or just under two hours is super impressive. And, uh, and it works and it works so well and it's so enjoyable. And when that first moment happens in the movie, when you realize like, you're like it's yeah. cool, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's cool. It hits you pretty good. Man,
1: and it's, it's a tense two hours too. I would definitely not, if you have not seen Dunkirk or you're thinking about rewatching it again, I wouldn't say be distracted during Dunkirk because don't be trying to do your homework or text your mama during Dunkirk because you need to pay attention because you're gonna be on the edge of your seat the whole time.
0: Well, it's funny because you mentioned that like you maybe you wish it was rated R. Like yeah. more, more movies should just automatically be rated R in order to depict the brutality of war. I'm watching this movie and And like you, I'm not a big war guy. I tend to avoid those similar to the horror movies because I don't do well with just jump outs Mm -hmm. or or violence or a lot of blood and gore. Um, So I appreciated that this was PG-13 and I think it was awesome and thrilling because it was still able to convey, and I wrote this on my notes, still the brutality of war in all the different ways
1: that it's brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: So like, I think about uh, the opening sequence, these six guys or whatever, are walking down the street, you see these Nazi what, propaganda or ads falling from the sky. And then all of a sudden, they're getting shot. At yeah. And they they start booking it. And then Finn Whitehead's and the, the only next, one that makes it out. The only one, He's the only one that makes it out. And so and then next, thing you know, they're on the beach, and they're just stranded there. And then you see this, this airstrike come in. And One by one, which is probably one of the coolest shots of the movie, you see sand begin to Mm -hmm. pop up after these bombs hit the ground. That sucks, obviously. They're on these piers. Airstrikes coming in, shooting down these piers. They're on these boats. They're getting bombed, torpedoed. Even things like trying to climb this rope ladder onto a boat but the swells of the waves are causing the boat to go against the dock and people are a little getting crushed. (laughs) Like, it's it's something things you don't think about but there's so many different ways that war is violent that that's what i thought of like you can literally die at any given moment you think you're safe but it can take a hard left at any given moment
1: yeah and i think it also kind of this movie really brings together the, the mental violence, the toll it takes on your, your mentality. Like you just mentioned that guy getting crushed between two boats. And the first thing I thought of was the look of disdain by the other soldiers. Like, uh, you're slowing us down. Like at, at what, at so many points, these men, these boys really are like, every man for themselves, that that, I would never, I don't know about you, I am a team player. Thank you very much. And I, if my buddy got crushed between a boat, I think I'd probably help him up not kick them down into the water.
0: (laughs) We've never been in that situation though. You know, like it's so you're right. Like I thrive in a team. I love working in a team, been in teams all my life. Um, But like, man, when it survival is a theme of this movie. Right. And, you know, and then there's a line later that Harry Styles says, like survival isn't fair, right? Like you got to do what you can in order to save your ass. And, and it's and it's tough. And then the and that's, in that scene, in that same scene, there's a scene when they're being, I'm assuming, shot at by, by the enemy. They constantly refer to the Germans as the enemy. You never hear Nazis or Germany or whatever. Um they're being shot at and they're in this boat waiting for the high tide to carry the boat away. And they're being shot at and they're like, All right, well, he goes first. And then Finn's like, No, that's not right. That's not we can't do that, it's not the right thing to do. Yeah it's not fair. And then Harry's like, well, survival's not fair. Like,
1: do you, do you want
0: to do it? (laughs) Like, you know, so it's interesting and it's pretty, it's pretty ruthless.
1: All right. I actually have a lot to say about Harry Styles a little bit later, but first let's introduce our very first episode, very first pizza challenge you and I got going on. Um, of course, in the interest of war between Chicago and New York, which pizza is better. Um Brian and I each had to pick one scene from the movie to add a pizza into that would make the scene better for us. So Brian, I think you can lead us off, tell us what your scene, what your pizza scene is. So I had a couple thoughts
0: while watching this, one that I knew before even going to see the movie again and another that I realized while watching the movie. Um and I think I'm going to go with the latter just just for comical reasons. Um, <laughs> so I think practically it would make sense to have a pizza um, in the kitchen of that boat that they're in when they, when they, yeah. when they're saved, they seem like they're rescued. They walk down and they're getting some toast and jam or whatever it is. I think you can easily swap out the toast for like just Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza. And it would just like <laughs> have, it be absolutely hysterical. Not that that would make any sense for it to be there, but in Dunkirk, but we'll let it happen. Let it happen day. anyways. Um, but I think it would be kind of funny if they come across that stranded boat in the sand, uh, the deserted boat in the sand, and they're like, oh, let's check it out. Let's check it out. Okay, cool. Okay, good. good, let's Let's go down. Let's just wait for the high tide down here. And then they walk down to the lower level. And there's just like a smorgasbord of pizza just waiting for them. <laughs> like Like get the deserted. These people said F the pizza. We got to get to safety. And they Is left it the pizza it still hot? There. Is it steaming? It's probably at this point solid room temperature. No, it's probably <laughs> been there for a little bit. But like these guys are hungry. They want some food. And they just hit the jackpot finding some pizza right there. Um, and then you realize that, you know, a spoiler shortly after that, um it doesn't really turn out to be that likely they begin to get shot at while in the
1: boat so let's talk about that scene let's get a little bit deeper into that scene right now okay because harry styles is a bastard just all the way because in that scene specifically where they're down there hey where's the logic that one person is going to make them float like they're not all in the navy like i don't think they know how much everyone in that boat weighs Or like one person's got to go it's got to be the frog get the french guy out of here yeah But two, he makes a complete 360, and then when they're on the train back in home or whatever, he's like, we let you down, didn't we? We let you all down. Meanwhile, he's been every man for themselves, not caring about his fellow Britishmen the entire time. And they're in the bottom of this boat, and he's like, let's kill them all. Well, the
0: person he points out to be that one person to see if it floats is... Was, did they identify i could I, there so there are parts of the movie where i definitely could not pick up in the dialogue just with the with the accents and that's my fault is yeah. that one was he end was he german like what was the deal he was french no that's he was he french yeah he so that's why he volunteered him first right cuz he wasn't
1: wasn't british he had the thick french accent yeah so i think so they find out in the boat that he was french yes yes right in that but Harry didn't know that when he said that he just should be the one to go. He was just suspicious of him at the time. But the whole time because he wasn't speaking. He didn't he didn't say yeah. a word. Yeah. And of course, so, Finn Whitehead,
0: a little angel, has been like, no, he's my friend. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, you're you're right. You know, at that point, Harry's every it's at that point he's just trying to, you know, do his best for him. Do his best for him and for what appears to be his, you know, his his buddies or, you know, his his fellow countrymen. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then I think he's kind of carrying around that burden. You mentioned at the end that he's like, oh, we let you down, didn't we? Um, and then also at the end when he when he comes across that blind man handing out, I think, like towels or blankets or something like that, and then they're on that train. He's like, see, he didn't even he didn't make eye contact with me. And then that was from his perspective, but from Finn's perspective, he realized that that, that man is blind, right? Blind, yeah. So I think Harry's perspective is just constantly – off or like he just had a different go of it
1: you know um which
0: i think is which i think is interesting
1: and that's interesting that you brought up the word perspective because what i noticed was in each of nolan's layers there's a character that understands the perspective of everyone else who's kind of in this situation right so when they get off the boat on the dock after saving all those people in the oil right and they look at the one air force guy where were you we needed you the boat guy's like, we know where you were there. Yes. The, the captain. He's like, I have perspective. I know where you're at. I know what it's like. Yeah.
0: They know where you were. Yeah. And exactly. Then, and, and that, oh, I love it. And then, you know, I told you before we just started recording, that's Mark Rylance, right? Like, yeah, so good. I thought he was so great throughout this movie. If you don't know Mark Rylance, he was in Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies. And I think he won an Oscar for that movie, actually, for Best mm. Supporting Actor. Um very quiet role in this, but he even, he had that one line in the boat with Killian Murphy and Killian's like, Cillian, Killian, whatever. And he's like, we got to turn back. I am not going back. Obviously his character at this point is really struggling with the, with the trauma of war. Yeah. obviously just been through some shit. And he's like, we have to turn around. I don't, I'm not going back to Dunkirk. And then, you know, you're, you're too old. Why are you even going back there? And then Mark Rylance like says the line, like, hold on, I wrote it down. He was like, Men my age dictate the war. Why should we let our children fight it? You know, and I'm just like, oh, that was yep. such a good, clean, like, mature line. And I, uh-huh. I, 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 I know, I
1: And he delivered it with no spite. Yeah, it was just, you know, this is where I'm at. Like, calm down. Yeah, the oh, you're shell shocked. Just chill the out. The
0: only time you ever see Mark Ryland's his character, get rattled or 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 frustrated, if you will, is with his son, and is when that 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 spitfire uh spitfighter uh went into the ocean the good uh went into the ocean um tom hardy's companion and he's like drowning like from his from that guy he's like struggling and then you talk about perspective you learn he's like waving his hand trying to get out yeah he's like like so that's pretty good and then and then the son's like there's no parachute dad he's He's probably got shot in the fight in the wild wow, in the sky. And Mark, right, and then he said it again dad, there's no parachute, dad, there's no parachute, dad, there's no parachute. And then finally, Mark Ryland, he goes, I hear you, Peter. I hear you. Maybe he's alive. Maybe. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's such a dad thing. Like, I hear you, you know? And I just, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. And it's the, the subtle things that I really enjoyed. I thought he brought an actual really an actual character to this movie cuz really it's not really driven by its characters it's driven by moments and yeah. series of events.
1: So with the dad saying I hear you and that whole parachute scene his older son who is in the, the air force he died right yes. or is he still alive? So then that's probably where he's getting that from saying like oh I feel guilty about my dead son. That's true that's a good I didn't even think about that That's a good point yeah they,
0: you learn not too long after that sequence that um yeah his his oldest son died three weeks into battle so
1: oh god yeah Yeah. another thing like another layer nolan brings in is these parents of boys gone to war Mm -hmm. he makes such a point of having these young men be soldiers which is you know historically accurate and then he brings in that these dads are still home and man yeah so Easy. i know that that really the glass
0: hour <laughs> was just something after another and it was and like you mentioned it was just riveting it was it was good yeah. it was nonstop, and, and the way he edited it and, way to, and the way he made it make sense and engaging and, and right when you feel like you've had enough of the land it splits to the sky and then the sky after uh, those fighter sequences you know and, the, yeah. and it, which were really really cool and like beautifully shot like these massive landscape shots that they were able to execute were just gorgeous. And then, yeah, it was just, it was fun. It was entertaining. And it was one of my favorite war movies. I haven't seen a lot because like I mentioned earlier, I don't do war movies due to the gruesome violence,
1: but I, I I enjoyed it. So why let's compare this to 1917 that was just up for us some Oscars a couple years. Oh, later. We'll
0: hold the phone, Michael. We, we will, we'll touch on 1917, but really quick where, <laughs> where, what's your pizza scene? Where are you? Where, oh, okay. where do you we put challenged. your pizza? Yeah. All
1: right, we're back. Oh man, mine's actually really kind of dark. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and add a pizza, like a nice, hot, fresh delivery pizza. When the three boys, Harry Styles, Finn Whitehead and the Frenchman are sitting on the beach and that older soldier just walks into the ocean. Yeah. He drops his gun, drops his backpack, his helmet, and just kind of swims out and tries to swim in the English Channel. <laughs> I wanted to cut back to those three boys and they're just like chomping on some pizza like, what's up with that dude? <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. I I literally I'm just thinking like whip pan, like no, they're still over there like this guy just walked into the ocean. Should we offer him some or? <laughs> hey, hey buddy.
0: Yeah. So that's, <laughs> it's still got some extras. So I remember that scene vividly uh, from the trailer when this movie was being advertised. And so was he, is that what he's, do you think he's trying to do? Like, he's like, Hey, I'm just sick of being on the beach to sit in ducks. Like I'm going to shoot my shot and I'm going to try to swim until I find a boat or land, or I'm going to drown. Like those are my options. Like, is that what you think?
1: I, I think that's, that's where it is because put put yourself in that situation I mean obviously you've never been in a war but you are surrounded by all sides mm-hmm. and they even I guess Kenneth Branagh had that conversation about like well why are they just waiting beyond the hills well they could just pick us off with less ammo from the sky yeah. so they're just in the on this beach and just trapped from all sides and you can feel the enemy coming in and you know they're coming across the channel too because we're watching Tom Hardy fight them fight them across um across the channel and stuff. So I mean yeah, I think that that is some desperation of like obviously I don't think he thought he could swim. I think he was just like I'm just gonna go as far as I can and I'm not coming. yeah back. for sure yeah,
0: which is like bleak as hell like right That's just terrible. like what yeah. kind of mindset do you need to be in right in that in that moment to, to make that decision right? I can't even imagine.
1: And you know it's hard to remember as you're going through because they they do give a lot of footage of the land section yeah um, but that's a week. Mm-hmm. That's between Ben Whitehead escaping the Germans in the opening shots to the end. What when? When he's on the boat, the end. That's one week yeah. they've been stranded on that yeah. beach I, with no food. What are these boys eating? They didn't show any of that. Like they didn't have any pizza around to eat. No, so. when you see
0: them. You know, they're they are eager to get that toast when they're on those boats, right? Like yeah. you see them shoving their mouths trying to trying to eat that. Um, but yeah, when you really think about it, it is a really long time, and it's insane. That's what my I talked to my dad about this. He, my dad's a history major, loves history, reads all the time about historical events. He thinks Dunkirk is super fascinating, and he has his own thoughts about this movie. Actually, he would have been a really good guest. Sorry, Dad, but um, for our first show. But um, he talked about that 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 line about how like why pick us off by tanks when they can just pick us from this waste? Why waste ammo with tanks when you can just pick us off like yeah. in a barrel, or whatever. Um, my dad said that was single-handedly the worst decision, like the Germans, the Hitler, oh to yeah. make. Yeah, exactly, and that was what resulted in them being able to escape. Like that kind of cockiness, that arrogance, if you will, from from the Nazis. Um, yeah, and that yeah. and that saved and that saved. That really saved the war you know so it was like
1: a stalemate at that point because they even said that they're not sending any more tanks or fighters over to dunkirk because they're saving them for the next battle exactly i've got that as a quote i wrote down that i love like there won't be a home if there's a slaughter across the channel they're saving the ships and planes for the next battle like now imagine having to go back onto the beach like you're that commanding officer being like all right boys yeah. we're gonna have to swim yeah so that's,
0: that's why it's so <laughs> Huge and so monumental, and then that that last, you know, like the the newspaper reading at the end, you know, you know, praising the civilians and and this is a moral victory, you know, like they didn't win the battle, but yeah. like we're still in this, right? We still got this, and like psychologically, yeah. that does, that played a huge factor for them, and for the really the history of like the world if,
1: that's an, under, if that, I don't think yeah. that's an
0: understatement in this context or an overstatement in this context.
1: And I think Nolan's got the directing power that he has all of that come through in his historical drama. Right. He's, he didn't change history. I'm sure he had like some strings that he pulled for his Dunkirk movie, but all of his other movies were, have this sci-fi aspect almost like, or I'm thinking Memento, that's something different, but this whole other idea. And this is like a historical, he's, Having so much respect for this this piece of history that he's using, and I I respect that.
0: I'm not sure where he's from exactly, but I know he's not American. I'm assuming I'm assuming he's um, English, or you know, some things we should have looked up. I should have looked up, but Uh, I think I I, I maybe remember to thinking you know this this could be like a love letter, right? Like he's done all these original works with the exception of Batman, but he wrote he he wrote and co-wrote those stories. this is, a, this is something that I think he always found fascinating that he really appreciated in, in history and he wanted to do his best to illustrate it and thought he did very well.
1: Yeah, except he didn't win an Oscar for it. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm sure his time will come. He'll probably one of those guys like in 20, 30 years. He's done like, he has like 10 movies in the top 250 and they're like, all right, we, we, we yeah. got to give this guy an Oscar. Like finally, let's give this. The honorary a, one. Exactly, something. exactly. Um. But yeah so all right cool so you mentioned um it's a phenomenal scene by the way that is just something i never would have thought of putting pizza in that's hilarious <laughs> that's pretty good um, just let yeah. um so on that note you mentioned before that um comparing it to 1917 right um
1: both incredibly technical war movies both
0: very different war movies too mm-hmm. what, oh well yeah. yeah
1: different yeah of course but 1917 didn't win as much as Dunkirk did and different directors. I don't know. I'm just thinking like, obviously Cody asked me why would we do Dunkirk when 1917 is the newer one, but already, right, you know, we are Nolan guys and I prefer Dunkirk. I didn't, I mean, 1917 was cool, but yeah, this was just so much more intense.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I remember thinking, I remember watching 1917 theater and thinking it was really cool. Really, really solid achievement. Like, really you know you know quote unquote one shot movie you know but yeah i think i think dunkirk's so much more rewatchable and so many different pieces going on it's a more intricate story um yeah so characters to really connect with yeah which even if you don't know their names yeah exactly so yeah i'm more invested in dunkirk 1917 was great they're two totally different movies too well like, i don't know
1: because they both have this this time yeah, aspect to true. it true there's time running out or um layering time um desperation the guy in 1917 is trying to call off yeah. an assault and dunkirk's trying to hold just get our people back home it's a rescue mission yeah rescue mission yeah it's I mean it's
0: interesting because 1917 is one shot and then this movie Dunkirk is so edited right like <laughs> it's so many shots <laughs> yeah. it's so many yeah yeah
1: especially and when they're doing the when he's got those montages between the three different levels of time and with the tense music and it's got these quick cuts back and forth between times and between like I you get sweaty I don't know about you but I get sweaty during that those those scenes where it's the these quick montages of One week, one day, air, land, sea. Which is why I think Dunkirk, I think, does a better job of
0: displaying the brutality of war than 1917. 1917 is so, I guess Dunkirk, right, also confined, but 1917 is so focused on these two characters traveling from A to B. And they encounter obstacles along the way. But like Dunkirk, it's just like, it's an hour, it's an hour 50 of kind of just go, go, go. And yeah. you're screwed in so many different ways.
1: And with 1917. Like how many times can you be on a boat that capsizes in the same week? I know. Like Harry Styles has terrible, terrible luck. Yeah, That's just all it comes down to is he, kid can't swim for shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else. Um, oh, some some other, I got some movie suggestions for you. If you like Dunkirk, I got some to throw in here. Um, lifeboats just are a stressful situation just out of everything. Like you think about the Titanic and how that lifeboat really caused a lot of drama. Alfred Hitchcock has a movie that is set entirely on a lifeboat. And it's between there's some class struggle, there's some war people on there, there's a reporter, I don't know. But it's very tense and I would just recommend that um, if anybody wants to watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie. But also a little New York connection I found um, there is a small short documentary narrated by Tom Hanks called Boat Lift, which tells the story of um, ferries and civilian boats coming across to Manhattan on September 11th and picking up people who were on the shores. And it's got some really great imagery that coincides very well with the British ships, the civilians coming in across the channel. Um, it's a quick 10 minute documentary all about how they saved a bunch of people, um, you know, who were trapped on the island on that day. And I just wanted to throw that in there because I had some quick little notes about those. I have, I have a question for
0: you. Hey. Um, so Finn, the lead, the lead, I guess the, the boy, the man, the young man. Um, yes. Is, is he a good guy? And I want to ask, and I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to provide some context. The beginning of the movie is really just him saving his ass. We are getting on Harry Styles and him trying to save himself is Finn so different, right? So he's walking along the beach, sees a guy dying on a stretcher. And then next thing you know, he's like, oh, I'm medical now and starts rushing him to the boat not because he wants to save that guy because he wants to save his own ass and then and it then, wasn't
1: because he wanted to save the guy absolutely
0: not no he is
1: are you sure because there's that one shot they've got one shot of the guy looking dead and then stirring a little bit then it cuts back to finn it's- and for me that's him realizing like no oh we got to get this guy on the boat no, me, you think it's his selfish? Finn
0: looking at the what we later learned is the french guy and i think they're like are you thinking what I'm thinking? And then they take him. And the next thing you know, they're booking it, like trying to get in the boat. And then they're both escorted off the boat. And they're like, F, that plan failed. But then the French guy's already down on the down, like hanging in the box. And they're like, hey, come down here. And then that's when they get introduced to Harry's character. And they're like, boys, we need to find you a different boat. Cause they just got off a sunken boat. And then Finn's like, ooh, this is my next way out. And then he dunks himself in water to appear he just got. Uh, you know, yeah, he, oh okay remember, he all just dumped right himself in water because he he is constantly trying to get off this beach he's constantly trying to save his own ass And it's the, the the moment when i when i first went against that notion was when he finally confronted harry was like this isn't right like but like mm-hmm. what what kind of triggered him to begin thinking that way because the whole time he's in it for himself
1: yes but he wasn't actively trying to hurt someone else sure. like he wasn't willing to sacrifice someone else yeah. it's not like he i don't know p- was on the mole and pushed some guy off into the water to get in front of him Yeah. Uh, so i mean i i get that like the, he's got a good balance between like i don't know kid's got some luck too because really does he figure anything out on, on his own or is he following the lead of some other you know
0: no he's super he's super he's super lucky and i think he's lucky you know he made that relationship with that french with that french guy and it was that french guy that saved him when the boat they did end up getting on was sinking from that torpedo because that french guy went outside didn't want to hang around a bunch of people because he's not them and then he opens up that hatch door which allowed finn harry and i'm assuming others to to not drown in in the kitchen so um yeah they're super lucky and and again constantly just up until that moment, looking out for himself, I thought.
1: I mean, I I think it's hard to say whether or not he's a good guy because, or really any of them, they, we never see them, I guess, in battle, working as a soldier. Well, we we see them all, every single person running away from the enemy, right? So I think that adds, when you say good guy, right there's a difference between needing to retreat yeah and you know being a coward right yeah. like Cillian, Cillian murphy or killian murphy he's a coward he wouldn't have wanted to go back but how many times did finn whitehead and harry styles go back Ooh, well people?
0: okay now we have a little bit of a conversation here well for okay one my first question is maybe not a good guy is it someone is it board is it someone you're rooting for like are you from the get-go it's established he's the he's going to be the lead of the movie the person that you follow the narrative the narrative you know character that you fought whatever do you root for him uh i wasn't convinced i wasn't sure and then but in the second hand talking about killing him like yes he's he's being conveyed as like a dick right like you know but but he just got out of this traumatic experience right like and and we don't we don't think we necessarily see what happens exactly but we do know from a split cut in the movie he was what appeared to be in charge of some rescue boat or a group of guys and then the next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's just him. He is stranded by himself in the middle of the ocean or, or, or the bay or whatever they are, or the sea. And you're, you're, you're left to assume that some pretty effed up stuff happened. And he's, and, he's, and then Mark Rylance even mentioned, he may never be the same again. You know, he's PTSD, it's taking immediate effect. He is, he is traumatized.
1: I'm just speechless because I've just now only realized the reason I really don't like Mr. Murphy's character is because he kills Barry Keegan. That's really, I think that's just what it comes down to is that's the only reason I guess I don't like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he fell down the stairs. Pushed him down the stairs. Yeah, but
1: as as uh, as a result of, I guess, yeah. but I see, I see where you're, this is another perspective thing. Me saying to Killian Murphy, where were you meanwhile? You know his backstory, you know. You you picked up on yeah, that. Yeah, I feel I, I feel
0: I feel bad for him. Like he appears to be the lone survivor of a group of men that I'm assuming he was in charge of or was, you know, responsible for and he ends up being the lone survivor and he does not want to go back. He he, th- he thinks he gets on that boat and he is saved. He's like, "Okay, I could go home." And then he's like, "What do you mean we're going back to we're going back there to the place I just I just witnessed like all these that like no way I don't want to go back there, um, and then that was heartbreaking too. He he checks in on the boy. He's like, "Is the boy okay?" And then the son's like, "No, you know what? No, he's not okay." And then later in the movie, he asks again, "Hey, is he doing all right?" And at this point, it's already been established that he died. Um, and the the son looks at his dad, looks at Mister Mister Murphy, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be okay." And I'm just like, oh. and then the son looks back at the dad, and Mark Rylance is like, "Good job, kid." Like he did the he, good job. A, son. That's a good lie, you know. <laughs>
1: and then at the end, when they get back on the on the docks, Killian Murphy's character sees the dead boy, knows that he's dead, but doesn't let the other alive boy see that he saw that the boy was dead. So he's also covering his back. So he's trying to look out for that kid too. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's. I think it's. I think it's a, layers. It's, it's, a, it's a. It's a sad story, and you know that he's going to be effed up for the rest of his life. I think that's what's been pretty established there. What you know? And that's what able to, they, 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 no one's able to convey that this is a story of survival. It's a story of bravery in the form of these civilians. And, and it also depicts the, the brutality of war. And then also through Killian's eyes, you know, how the the the, the traumatic long-term effects it can have on somebody. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's pretty impressive in a,
1: in a span of, again, like, under two hour movie um it definitely felt a little longer though i don't know maybe because i was just so tense all the time oh i think because i was, I was tense, just and cheeks during the movie which is why i think it went by quicker
0: <laughs> for me like this movie zoomed by i, I, I yeah I, I finished it this morning at like 9 30 um and i was like "Oh, i have an hour and a half to kill until i record what the hell i didn't plan that out appropriately because <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah so yeah it it, uh, it zoomed by um so i guess with that note um do you want to do another another question, pizza-related question?
1: Ooh, Brian, give us our next pizza challenge.
0: All right, so we already did inserting pizza in a, in a scene. This is more character-based Michael uh, in Dunkirk. What what character would you
1: want to have pizza with? Like,
0: just sit down, have a slice of pizza, and just chat with, a.k.a. your favorite character.
1: I, I really... Did't prepare for this at all because um, it's it's hard because the characters uh, I'm not overly attached to too many of mm-hmm. them, especially some of the boys because I know they're like they're just soldiers, I guess, so I can't really connect with the soldier. But I think I might have to have some pizza with maybe Tom Hardy because he is the biggest badass in the movie. Yeah. He calculates his own gas in the air with just a piece of chalk. And then, oh man, all right. The end of the movie, well not even the end because there's still like 30 minutes after this where his engine is cut off and you see him sail over the beach with no engine mm. and his, his things aren't going, everyone's looking at him. And the next, the enemy dog fighter comes yeah. in and out of nowhere, Tom Hardy still with no engine, yeah. you know he did like, did like a loop-de-loop oh, yeah, he, he, or something. Like, yeah. he kind of like, saves them all, that is, ah man's got some cojones and i just he dies or i assume prisoner he dies May a prisoner of,
0: of war you know pow
1: yeah. yeah um so i mean if if he's in i don't know a prisoner camp somewhere at the end of this movie then yeah i'll bring him some pizza <laughs> and i just want to hear about it yeah so speaking of tom Har-
0: Hardy's character the moment when he so there's a moment in the movie i don't know i don't pick up on this i didn't pick up on it the first time when he's when he's by himself, his partner was shot down, and he is running out of gas. There's a moment when he has to, when he makes a decision. He actively makes a decision to go back to Dunkirk and to keep on fighting. I think he and and then when that moment happens, like he's like, f it. He turns around and then the, the score swells and it's signifying mm-hmm. this act of like bravery that's about to embark. And then yeah, he has his, he obviously has his moment in saving really this. The whole pier, the whole beach, in that moment, and yeah, he gets screwed at the end. So yeah, he he's a stud, he's a hero. And, and another thing that's depicted, right, like just the amount of bravery that went in, because he could have easily gone back and refueled and come back a couple hours later.
1: Yeah, and and you know, what I'm wondering, at what point is he like, all right, there's no turning back. I'm just gonna balls to the wall, do everything I, I can. I think at that
0: moment, I think I think when he made that decision, like to go back um and that again that's that score just swells when he makes that decision and he turns back you're just like mm-hmm. this is him sacrificing himself like this is him like yeah. realizing that chances are like he for sure won't have fuel to get back to wherever his base is right wherever he needs to refuel it's him right? i right i'm gonna keep on fighting for as long as i possibly can and i think that's it's pretty cool
1: yeah i also find tom hardy's character and his storyline and his time frame the kind of guiding thread through the movie I really you know they they went back to like we mentioned before the other pilot going down and thinking he was waving like I'm okay we talked about that but we see the same Tom Hardy dogfights from like three different perspectives in this movie (laughs) so we know exactly what's going on in each characters but these sections when they time them out are 20 30 minutes apart in the movie yeah. so for me no one's able to make one hour stretch for what do you say an hour 50 the entire yeah. length of the movie and still like care about what's going to happen to tom hardy even though he's like the main thread you know yeah it's great you know it's oh, it's man. awesome it's 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 cool i mean it's a a terrible way i've said it
0: like five times but it's just it's neat you know i'm not a filmmaker (laughs) i have have no idea how the how the editing works or how you can begin to conceptualize these ideas but like it was it was cool
1: all right it's your turn what's what's your pizza character character you want to have a pizza with?
0: yeah so i've already talked about this character multiple times it's it's mark Rylance's character mr dawson i mean he's just a badass he is he knows his moral compass is set straight. He knows where he's going. He knows what he wants to do, the mission at hand. He is not letting anyone get in his way. And he's obviously – he's already went through heartbreak, losing his son, re- revealed, you know, three weeks into battle. And that ending sequence when they see the enemy fighter heading their way and he's like, wait, don't move it yet, wait. Wait till he, wait till he commits to his line. All right, now. And then right when he shifts the boat, that's when the shots get just narrowly missing mm, the yep. boat. Oh, man, he's just, he's wise. He knows what's up. And I just love to have pizza with him and sit down and just chat and just hear his life story, his experiences, and, and just what has made him appear, what seems to be just a really good, a good guy. Um,
1: I think I could arguably say, hit, we picked the two, uh, what's the word? Bra- the bravest characters in this whole movie, I would say. Yeah. So, what are we got? Go. No, I I wasn't gonna say anything important. No, so you
0: mentioned the two bravest. I was gonna mention what are some what are some uh, substitutes or what are some honorary mentions? I guess. Or you know, there were there other people that. <laughs>
1: oh Barry Keegan. I love. I'm so a you're, huge talking fan. you're talking about the actor now. Yeah. Uh- okay. You want to sit down with the actor, Barry. No, no, no. I Probably the ghost of Barry Keegan's character. Because where I'm at is I want him to see the article in the newspaper that was written about him. Because also it says, boy, hero dies at Dunkirk, but he didn't do much. He that, steered a that,
0: little bit. That's his friend looking out for him. And then he had that conversation with his friend earlier in the movie talking about his dad or t- he had this 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 deep, relatively deep conversation. And he's like, just want to tell my dad I did something, you know. I want yeah. to be I want, I want to be in the newspaper one day. And then you know it comes kind of full circle, and then, and then he ends up in the—and his son, his his friend looked out for him, you know. Brought yeah. that pic, brought that picture to the newspaper editor. It's like, yeah, this is the guy.
1: Those are some bros. Those are—I think maybe if I had had to pick younger characters to to have some pizza with, probably Barry Keegan or his blonde friend. Yeah. Because he's got that great line where the so ah oh, two Harry Styles the son of a ah oh, Harry Styles in the end we find out Harry Styles is covered in oil down in the bottom and he's like hey be careful with him and now it's Harry Styles looking up he's dead mate and the kid's like well, be bloody careful with him. Yeah. That was nice. Like this kid just stared down Harry Styles, who was ready to kill anyone in his way, and was like, "Be careful of my dead friend's corpse. I don't care what you're doing with all the rest of your soldier corpses." Yeah, he's a hero. Nice. That's some bro stuff right there. For sure. So, like, maybe a pizza with both of them, maybe or yeah, like a little pizza party. They were like what, thirteen years old in this movie or something? Man,
0: what about you? I think I don't mention a Kenneth Branagh. Branagh brana i don't know blah, blah, blah. Um, the what, what what is he like a general or he is he is a man in charge right not sorry i'm not savvy with uh military lingo but he it's savvy but you do know pirate lingo what <laughs> <laughs> savvy oh yeah yeah so um yeah so you you find out he's the navy and I, this this quick exchange with him and um the other actor i think it's darcy james darcy yep james darcy's in it um yep. And then they're talking about these boats and how are they going to get closer to the beach? And then it's like, Oh, well, we'll just wait for high tide. They have six hours. And then Darcy's like, I thought it was three hours. And then Brian, like, well, I guess that's why you're army and I'm Navy, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, I kind of like that quip. So Brana, yeah. he knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's smart. He's strategic. And he also seems to be have a little bit of the humor in a pretty dark situation. So, and that, yeah. that save exchange ended up screwing over, the boys in that abandoned boat, because they also yep. say that high tide's every three hours. Because day. they were
1: army, not navy. And they
0: think they're gonna be sailing off under high tide in three hours, when really it's six hours. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. So what what
1: And three hours in the Dutchman comes back to his boat. He's like, Oh, I was getting ready to sail off in hours from now. Yep. And the guy's are like, Oh
0: my God Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really well done and I'm, that was a nice
1: dramatic irony. Yeah. We had the audience feeling that before the boys did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i enjoyed so that funny. i enjoyed that um but yeah Man. and you know and he stays back for the french i like that the way he ends the movie as well he's like no you go ahead i'm gonna wait for our the french for them to come they're gonna need help so yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah he uh, active yeah he's uh, he's a hero he's he's very brave. Kenneth Brara. um you, you said french uh going back to that abandoned boat I, this is a question i had genuinely i'm not sure um uh when that boat is filling up with water and they're all escaping one person is left who drowned Do you? the french guy the french guy drowned yes he did because he caught on
1: something or like he
0: looked like he was trying to swim but he just wasn't going anywhere i don't
1: know right i don't know about boat mechanics but it looks like harry styles looked back at him right and said hey come on and he says go on without me in this french accent and then literally two seconds later, he looks back over. I think he realized that the water was higher and he wasn't able to come out.
0: Mm.
1: Which I was just, I'm so, I'm frustrated with that scene and we've talked about it so much, but like the boat's got holes in it. There are so many holes and they're sticking their fingers to plug them up like a SpongeBob yeah, episode. That was, so That was, stupid. That, that was. now I bet that comes from first person perspective. I'm sure Christopher Nolan um because he shot on location in Dunkirk, he had the the museum there and like the whole town like giving him first person perspectives, and he met with those people. So if that's if the British are sitting in empty boats on the beach trying to plug their holes with their fingers, then that's why they lost at Dunkirk. Yeah, I'm just I'm was crazy. I, it's just a pet peep of mine. I don't
0: know. <laughs> we talked about the character scene. We talked about we talked about where to add a pizza. Do you have what other what other general thoughts or? um you have
1: about it or do you want to go into rating it out um i guess just the last thing i want to say is that dog fights are always cool even when it's snoopy like i just think that without the dog fights this movie would have been so boring honestly because the the battles aren't great it's just random torpedoes coming um oh also you never see the germans in the movie Exactly. So that you never until the see end,
0: it. until the very end. And even then, and then I saw this, this, this note on IMDb, they're out of focus. So you never, you never see them clearly and they're never even referred to as the Germans. They're just mm-hmm. the enemy, which I think is really, um, an, an interesting and an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, dog fights are really cool, and it's funny that you mentioned that they're always cool because I always think about Snoopy,
1: um, right? doing,
0: doing his dogfight. fight. Uh, Except,
1: actually, you know what? What's up, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? Not great dog fights there. That. <laughs> but... oh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Great. Fair enough. Um, but no. Yeah. Let's uh, let's rate it. I guess how many? Were... What's our rating system, Brian? Here on our slice on film. Yeah. So um, I think the
0: traditional rating for movies like what four stars. Right. So, but there's always more than four slices of pizza in a box of pizza. So Mm -hmm. we're going to go with eight slices. Eight Um, slices. That's easy math for those of you at home (laughs) and also for this podcast. Um, So, um, and then we easily convert it down to four on your own, if you'd like. So we're going to do out of eight slices.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I'm going to, out of eight slices, are we going to rate together? Are we each going to rate? Oh,
0: No, we're each going to rate.
1: Oh, we're each going to rate. God, I didn't really think.
0: We're going to be doing movies on this where you're going to effing love it and I'm going to like not so much and vice versa. Yeah, We're going to have our own opinions on this. Okay, great. Um, So If you want, I can go first. I think I'm I'm ready for mine.
1: Do it. I want to hear what you got.
0: Okay, so out of eight slices, I'm giving this a solid seven slices. Uh, This is something that um, probably didn't give it a seven slices when I first saw it. I thought I can just live without it again. But after re-watching it, I really enjoyed the runtime. I enjoyed how thrilling it was from really start to finish, all the themes that are presented. It's a, you know, seven out of eight slices, you know, that's good. I am full. I am satisfied. I have one slice left later if I want to revisit it again, you know, have it again the next morning. Um, so, yeah, I, it's something that I'm going to want to, Go out and get again. So I'm happy with that. Seven out of eight slices.
1: All right. Seven out of eight slices. You know, I'll have to agree. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a a seven and a half. I ate just the crust on the last slice, probably seven and a half slices.
0: (laughs) That bothers me so much, (laughs) but okay. Why? Because you got to just finish the pizza at that point.
1: No, it's like I ate a whole pizza by myself. And then I just wanted just the crust for the last slice. Like just the crust, because the New York style pizza, the crust is the best part, really. So, what's
0: what's holding you back from eating the crust in this case? What's, hold, what's holding you back to getting that that full score for Dunkirk?
1: Probably because it's it's a story about losing. I think it's it's just a movie about how they lost this battle, and it's a, along the way, but they've lost. Then they lose so much along the way, and yeah, the overall victory is what they save. 300,000 out of 400,000 people or something like that. I don't remember the numbers Branagla had told us. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just not enough. Tom Hardy and the boat captain dad, your pick for the actor in the movie. Those were the bravest characters in the movie for me. And the rest, and I guess Kenneth Branagh, but all the young boys who were the center of it just were so cowardly. So I'm taking the hat. I don't want that coward piece of the war. Right. I want strong strength.
0: Fair enough. I, uh, on your note of it being a story about defeat, uh, losing, uh, Christopher Nolan had a quote that I'm finding right now. Um, he is identifying this moment as a decisive moment. And the success of the evacuation allowed Winston Churchill to impose the idea of a moral victory, which allowed him to galvanize his troops like civilians and to impose a spirit of resistance. While the logic of this sequence should have been that of a surrender militarily, it's a defeat on the human plane. It is a colossal victory. And I think that's what he wanted to show that on the human level, this is a huge victory. Humans looking after humans, strangers looking out for strangers, nation looking after one another, countrymen, pride. And it's that evacuation that allowed them to have the manpower to go on with world war ii and to eventually you know unite with allied forces to defeat you know the germans
1: look i mean i i can't command a war i wouldn't i can barely keep up with a video game a call of duty right but just like your dad said that you said that your dad said about this movie they they got lucky that the germans didn't just slaughter them how
0: much how many times in this movie was luck played a play role into it right like lucky luck has to do with everything you know so yeah yeah they're lucky and i'll take it i'll take it. yeah
1: but also very unlucky because as soon as finn whitehead realized that they were doing target practice on the boat an hour later comes this dutchman to reveal that there's people yeah. in there that's not very yeah, lucky yeah, so i don't know bo- whatever it goes the movie ways. was great look I, I i talked a lot of trash about my half slice so maybe i'm just going to drop it down to seven again but the movie was beautiful it's a beautiful movie the score is so great the sound is really really it involves you it get, shakes you down to your core um you know and the humanity i i get the humanity i know I, and i get that and that's why it worked um but i also the non-linear storytelling like i said like you want to take me on a date somewhere that is the movie <laughs> to show me because that just just that really gets me going cool
0: so <laughs> um obviously we both like this movie otherwise we would not have chosen it as our first movie so not surprising that have got high scores on both of us um
1: yeah it's a little easy to talk about a movie you love
0: yeah yeah so good job good job this is, this is a movie i would never have thought of to done to do so um good job on your part really identifying that michael
1: all right well i think we've said just about enough about dunkirk that we can let's uh brian let's move on to the last slice of the day what do you got for us?
0: All right. Thank you. So uh, last slice of the day, just final notes, what we've been up to, what are we doing, and recommendations? Um, so for myself, uh, I saw on Netflix today that Afterlife, season two, it just dropped on Netflix. For those of you who don't know, uh, it's a show with Ricky Gervais. It's a show that he created, he stars in. Um, I know Ricky Gervais is an acquired taste for some people. It's not definitely everyone's cup of tea. Um, he cracks me up. I enjoy his humor, um, and especially uh, I haven't—I've never seen him stand up, but just the things that he's in on television—it cracks me up. Um, this show—it's super dark. It's about him. Uh, he's a widow, and it's just him coping. It's—it's an interesting take on death, how you cope with it, and the whole premise is him just saying F it," like I was a good person the white society still took my wife via cancer and why do I have to live the way people want me to act? So I'm just going to do whatever I want. And it's him coming to terms with, you know what? There's still more to life than just being with my wife. I can still do, I can still be happy in other ways. And um, it's humorous. It's sad. It's, it's kind of deep. And um, it's a show. I would never thought Ricky Gervais to do, but it's, it's good. I enjoy it a lot. So season two just dropped and I enjoy season one. So I'm looking forward to season two great thanks for that slice brian how about yourself what's it what is your last slice
1: i'm gonna say my last slice of the day i've got some netflix news back to the future part one and two will be added to netflix may 2020 just in a couple of days now i'm excited because back to the future is my favorite trilogy i don't think there's There are better trilogies because the third one's set in the Wild Wild West for no reason instead of 1985. Um, But I own all three on a box set with all these special features and I know everything about Back to the Future. It's like my favorite (laughs) 80s just culture thing is just Back to the Future. Um, So that's coming out. Part three has been on Netflix and you can't really watch part three without one and two. Um, So if you want to throw it back to the 80s, definitely get ready for BTF, BTF. B T T F
0: uh, back. Yeah. BTTF.
1: B-t-t-f. double T F whatever you want to call it. No one calls nice. it. Nice. No, I'll, I'll trend it on Twitter. All right. Well, Brian, since I picked Dunkirk, um, I had that on my list. We decided that for episode number one, um, I've challenged you. I don't know what you're going to pick for our next episode. Um, but, Drumroll, please. Brian, what is the next movie we'll be watching for Our Slice on Film?
0: This was a lot of pressure. I had a lot of fun trying to figure out what I wanted to do. It came down to three movies, um, and I landed on one. I saw, again, it was on Netflix. During this time of quarantine, I'm going to try to stick to movies that are available, um, easily accessible on streaming. Um, I had to pay for this one on Prime, so thank you for mm-hmm. that, Michael, um, But uh, for Dunkirk. But this movie, it's free. It's on Netflix. It's a good one. came out a couple of years ago. It may have also been 2017, um, but it's Hell or High Water. Um, Hell or High Water starring Chris Pine and Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges, and it's a great movie, and I am looking forward to revisiting it. And it came out in 2016, confirmed 2016. So it's a good movie. It's about these two brothers who rob banks in order to um, save their family's ranch in West Texas. So, um, Who's Ben Foster? Why do I know that name? Ben Foster, he, oh man, I think he's in Lone Survivor. Um, 310 to Yuma. Um, I'm trying to think. Hostiles, Leave No Trace. Trying to find some more recent things.
1: Wikipedia says, Hell or High Water is a 2016 American neo-Western heist film.
0: Yeah, which like, if you know anything, say about, no more. You know anything about me, you know that I love Westerns <laughs> and I love heist movies. So, um, yeah. And Ben Foster is like unrecognizably good in this. And Chris Pine, I think this is a turn in his career. And this is when really open, at this point, I only knew him in Star Trek. So, it's, this is, it was fun to see him in a different role. And Jeff Burgess is good in everything that he does. And this, reminds me of him in true grit a little bit so um yeah hell or high water it's a good movie i'm looking forward to seeing michael watch it for the first time if you can see his face he's (laughs) he
1: he doesn't look necessarily pleased but i think he'll i think he'll enjoy it i think he will enjoy it no i'm 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 ready for a challenge so um we'll look (laughs) i look forward to chris pine and hell or high water i guess you like chris pine chris pine is great (laughs) who doesn't like chris Pine? yeah all right all right. We're doing Hell or High Water. We'll do it. We're doing, we're doing it. All or right.
0: High Water. It's free on Netflix. We'll talk about that one next week.
1: Yeah, so check us out next week wherever you get all of your podcasts. Um, Brian, I'm super excited for our slice on film moving forward. Um, episode one in the books. I think we're doing great.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. And uh yeah, that's been that's been our slice on film.
1: Go enjoy some pizza this week, folks. Have a good one. You can practically see it from here.
0: What?
1: Home.